um, gents? Nothing. We decided that it would only be right to have you on just to troll the crap out of you. Uh, I'm dedicating myself to women's field hockey from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> um, for a while, I thought we Penn State fans would have to dedicate ourselves to, let's see, what are we still good at? We're not that good at women's volleyball this year. That no, was, I, that's usually I heard... our, uh, our, uh, our go-to. I think we're still a good fencing school. Our fencing, our fencing, <laughs> fencing team is dominant. Kid. We may be one of three schools that actually have it, but we dominate that shit. <laughs> but you're much, much better than Johns Hopkins, I'm sure. Yeah, so we, uh, it's, it's all uh, epe and uh, foil and all kinds of uh, all kinds of good stuff. Those are the two fencing terms I know. Two more there's, a, there's a post on, I'm reading, reading WrestleScoop right now to find out what's going on with WWE, and there's a post titled, how long Hogan and Bischoff re-signed with TNA for? That might be the worst grammatical <laughs> uh, of speak, all time. Speaking of bad promotion, I just looked at the uh, Big Ten football page, the Big Ten.org, and they are prominently featuring one Curtis Painter. On, really? On, on the front page. <laughs> like, this, is, this, is our, uh, this is our guy. This is our, our flag bearer. <laughs> old, old Curtis Painter. Quarterback of a generation. <laughs> uh, your most hated rival and um, and our opponent this week. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, um, I got questions from Travis Miller from Hammer and Rails today, and one of them was uh, basically, "Has your opinion of Purdue changed all now that we've essentially demolished Minnesota?" <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, yes, it's gotten worse. <laughs> it's gotten worse. You only beat them by 28. I wasn't able to, to read the post, but I did see um, amongst the mountains of stuff in my reader that MGO is following Minnesota to determine <laughs> yes. that they are the worst football program quest. in the history of the Big Ten. I saw the year was 1951. I think it's 61, 61? Is, is where they're going back. They're, he's going off of... A pure scoring ratio, like total points scored in your games, um, how what percentage have been scored by you, mm-hmm. um, and and he's got them back to sixty one at this point. It's and it's they've, and all they've played is and all they've played is what Purdue and who they play in week? Oh, Michigan. Doing, is he doing just Big Ten? Just Big Ten. Just yeah, Big Ten. they've played USC, New Mexico State. Uh, Miami of Ohio, North Dakota State, Michigan, and Purdue. Well, you know, for um, for blog poll, I rank every team. I have, like, the big fat spreadsheet and mm-hmm. rank everybody. There are 121 teams in, in in the entirety of FBS football, not just the BCS, FBS football. Minnesota's one – or there's 120, excuse me. Minnesota's 117. Yeah, I mean, even their turnover ratio I'm looking at now is, is minus six. Uh, the closest one of them is actually Nebraska at minus one. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just I can just pick a statistical category at random here, and they're going to be at least ten or lower. Uh, right. Penalty is their tenth. Well, poor Jerry Kill sounds like he's about ready to kill somebody else. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, like he every they, they talked to him the other day, and he was like, "This is terrible. Our our entire team is awful. This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen." Tim Brewster should be ashamed of himself for bringing these people in to play Division One football. Like, <laughs> they and then are. Brewster, then Brewster jumped to their defense because that's what Brewster does. Sure, go yeah. fight, recruit, win. <laughs> They're twelfth in third down conversions. They are eleventh in opposing uh, third down conversions. Uh, what are they twelfth in opponent first downs? They're twelfth. First downs are twelfth. I'm just scrolling up. They're like one after another here. Uh, Sacks <laughs> against their ninth, so that's that's pretty good. Sacks by, they are tied for last. Uh, PAT kicking, they're tied for last. I guess they only missed one, but yeah. Why break a there are There are one, two, three, four, five, six, eight schools in FBS football that have a minus 100 or greater scoring differential. <laughs> Alabama, and- Birmingham... Memphis, Florida Atlantic, New Mexico, which fired its coach, Akron, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, and Minnesota. And Miami, like I said, Miami, Miami, Ohio was one of their opponents. Right, actually, the only team that they beat. Yeah, New Mexico State, North Dakota State. I mean, it's not like 
But USC only beat them by two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and, and we all thought, like, oh, Minnesota might be at least mildly competitive. And since then, it's just been a dumpster fire. Right, which is just a wonderful thing to watch. It is. Uh, it warms the cackles of my heart. It does. Um, <laughs> Even so- the sub-cackle area. Tell us, um, Mr. Patrick Fent, Blackheart Gold Pants, what do we take away from the Iowa-Penn State game um, this past weekend? Because, granted, Penn State only scored 13 points and our defense looked really good. Is is that, as an Iowa fan, how do you rank that in terms of, like, you know, is that the worst game they've played in a year, two years, three years? Is, is, was Penn State oh, actually no. good? No. First off, I, I've believed in Penn State's defense for a while. I had Penn State 19th in my poll last week, my blog poll. That's which right. I did see that. A little bit nuts, maybe, but their defense is so good that it's hard to not say that. I mean, there's only, I think, what, three other defenses that are averaging fewer points per game given up than Penn State right now, and it's like, I wrote it today. It was Alabama, Wisconsin, Michigan State, I think, are the only three that have yeah. come close to that. Michigan State's and, yards against is insane. It's like 175 per game. Yeah, but they've played basically they played Bowserman. five times. They played yeah. Bowserman. Playing Bowserman is, is like playing three Mac offenses, like the worst of each position rolled into one at this point. I mean, they've so, played, they played a really bad Central Michigan team. They've played Bowserman, Ohio State. they played Florida Atlantic, which is one of the three worst teams in the country. They played in FCS and they played Notre Dame, and Notre Dame scored like 31 of the 40 or 51 points that they had against right. them. Um, no, I think Penn State's defense is really good, and they remind me a lot of of Iowa 09 almost, where it's like it's not guys you necessarily know when you're not following the team day to day. Right. But that front seven is solid as is you're ever going to see, and I, I really hope they stay healthy because they should be a phenomenal defense all the way through the season. Um, it's not the worst game that Iowa's played in a year. The worst game Iowa played in a year was last year's loss to Minnesota. That was right. the worst game that they've played since the Western Michigan debacle from three years before that. Um, it, it, they ran up against a buzzsaw defense. I mean, they're just – it didn't help that, as Kevin pointed out a couple times on Black Street Diaries this week, that, that gravity and physics decided to leave us <laughs> mm-hmm. as well. Um, everything you know early on broke um, Penn State's way and was the way that Ferentz had decided he was going to call that game, which I'm going to go ahead and say called it. Um, I, I totally saw that coming. Uh, yeah, the, the, way that, the way that the way that Ferentz called that game, he needed every break to go his way if they were going to win it, and that was done within the first series. Yeah, the, the minute they punted, I was in the car coming back from Penn State because we just went up to tailgate and, and came home. So I listened to the first half on the radio. The minute they decided to punt on the first possession from the Penn State, what, 35, 38? 33. 33? Yes, the 33. I mean, that was the telltale sign right there that Ferentz is going to try to sort of gum this thing to death like an uh, 80-year-old retiree. I was sitting with some people, and of course I'd had a couple cocktails at that point, but it was... They're going for it, right? Or they're going to kick the field goal here, right? Because they got a kicker. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike Meyer has a leg. He's not necessarily the most accurate guy, but he has a leg. Yeah, it would have been. I remember it would have been fifty or fifty-one. So yeah, like thirty-three. It was fifty. Yeah. It was a fifty-yard field goal, and and it was fourth and eight, which is a long way to go. But if you, I mean, if you've read, I, the one thing is, I, I refuse to believe that Kirk is stupid. Like he might be incredibly conservative. I don't think he's dumb. And if you've read anything about the the percentages involved mm-hmm. in fourth down conversions. Once you cross the forty five, you either go for it or kick the field goal. You don't. The punt should never enter the equation. The thirty three is absolutely that way. But once he once he did that, and I knew that that he was going to the moment that they hit fourth down, I was hoping to hit the field goal, but I kind of figured he wouldn't. Um, it was clear that they were going to play for field position and try to win nine to six. Yeah, and and it just 
that wasn't going to work if you didn't get everything going your way because you're on the road in a hostile environment with a team that hasn't won a road game in six now. Um, Is that right? Oh, yeah, it's six straight road losses now. So um, you need everything to go your way, and they should have known by the third play of Penn State's drive that everything wasn't going to go their way, and they needed to kind of <laughs> do something else. That first drive was absolutely amazing by Penn State because I, I charged Bolden's passes, and I think there were five or six of them, and every single one was terrible. Oh, they were awful. Absolutely uh, terrible. How do you, and, and I know it got tricked, but how do you throw a ball off the referee's shoe? I don't know. <laughs> and, and he threw one through Nielsen's hands, which should have been a touchdown for Iowa. He threw another one that uh, Micah Hyde almost picked off, which was no more than like a five-yard or seven-yard crossing pattern in which Bolden threw it pretty much. I, I called it a McNabb special where it was hard at the receiver's feet and about three feet behind him. And, and Micah Hyde just sort of barely won, got a one-hopper in there because he, he came up like he caught it, but he, he didn't. Right. Um, it, it was almost like he was like shooting seeds between his fingers and just boom, <laughs> just sort of scatter shotting the, the the ball all over the place. And yeah, it was it, it was like um, if you guys have ever tried to throw a rugby ball like a like a football, <laughs> and it just kind of like squirts into the ground or flies over. That's what it, it looked like. He had never thrown a football before. It, it really, the the kid's confidence is just. Absolutely, and that has to be what point. it is because we've seen him yeah. hit all of those passes. I, I've seen him throw good passes. I mean, he's he's completely capable of it, and I, I don't know if it's uh, a combination of you know his uh, sort of like the accumulation of his uh, aborted transfer and and the quarterback situation this year, and he's just not getting. I mean, he's getting worse. You know, I think the the word regressing is thrown around, thrown around way too much when we talk about. You know, individual performances in, in sports, but he's he's getting worse. I, I think that regression is used far too liberally as well, unless you're talking about every quarterback that Iowa ever had. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I hate to constantly talk about the Browns on these Penn State podcasts, but it's the same exact thing. When you have no running game, no line, no fan support, um, you know you have very little time to impress Institutional people. regression. Yeah, it's... it's um, <laughs> It's like scientifically proven <laughs> at this point. I mean, they just they hey. just completely just completely go from being able to throw consistent, routine things, nothing extraordinary, to losing to being completely blown out of the water by Matt McGloin. Hey, I, I am uh, a Phillies fan and an Eagles fan, so I needed this win against Iowa in, in, <laughs> in the worst way. So, uh, well, we're uh, glad we could help. Yeah, I'm so, not. I'm not going to feel bad about taking this one because it it did I feel it. like. Parents probably should have been a lot more aggressive on defense. That was really the, the shocker to me. He didn't seem to have anything. <laughs> but he didn't seem to have anything up his sleeve. There was no kind of. No, I look. I, I, I before I came on here tonight, I listened to uh, Mark Morehouse and Scott Doctor have a podcast, mm-hmm. and they they know what they're talking about, and I know that they're telling the truth when they say these guys put in thirty hours of film work on a team between. Sunday morning and Tuesday when the when they install the, the um, game plan for the weekend. But I honestly think that they sit around and they watch the game film and they go, hey, Norm, what do you got for this? And Norm goes, 4-3 cover two, motherfuckers. And that's like, <laughs> like that's all they do. Like, it's, it's, well, I see that they've got five wide on every play. What are you going to do in response to that, Norm? 4-3 cover two. Um <laughs> They're running the wing T four three cover too. So that I, was never I, in the cards. Is that? Is that what, I mean, it didn't. Right. It just doesn't seem they don't. Like they don't. Coaching yeah, staff. They, there are there are times when they throw caution to the wind and they go out and they really try to to blitz. They try to create chaos. The the times it happens is when they're playing in a bowl game or when they're playing Ohio State. Right, and and Penn State against all previous tendencies, which is essentially four uh, three cover three motherfuckers. Right was bringing guys from basically everywhere, and especially Gerald Hodges. Uh, he's the one who forced the fumble on, on Vandenberg. And pretty much, I loved – no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I would say it pretty much sealed the, yeah. uh, the outcome of the game. I loved Bradley's quote after the game when he was like, we blitzed the hell out of him, and I know they didn't see that coming. Yeah. And of course <laughs> they didn't see that coming because that would involve actually paying attention. Right? <laughs> but it's not something they do very often, and, and – for sure, it's not something they do very effectively very often. 
I mean, one of Penn State fans' biggest complaints about Tom Bradley's defense is that when they do decide to blitz, the guys never get home. Right. Never, ever, ever, it seems. So that was, I mean, and Hodge is a very quick, I mean, he he came to Penn State as sort of a, a safety linebacker hybrid, started off as safety, ended up at linebacker. So he has that sort of athleticism. Um, it, it was fascinating to see. And, and, the, and the more it worked, the more they kept doing it. Iowa just could not do anything about it. Well, you want to hear something that's this, – this sums up the entire game in a nutshell and how relatively clueless we were in response to what Penn State was doing. Iowa has a fullback by the name of Brad Rogers. Rogers was a, a tailback in high school. He was recruited as a tailback. He was a bowling ball of a tailback even, but he, he's about 235 and about 5'11". Like, he's just a ball of muscle and hate. Um, and he was dubbed to be the next fullback this year. And then he was diagnosed with a heart condition um, before the bowl game. And at the time, everybody said, just the bowl game, no big deal. You know, they'll, they're, they're going to do some precautionary tests to make sure he's okay. He'll be back for next season. He'll be back for spring ball, all that. And it kept extending and extending and extending. We got to August, and he still wasn't back yet. And we went through the first three weeks of the season with no Brad Rogers. We went, he, they talked about him slowly getting back up to speed for Louisiana Monroe, but he wasn't, he wasn't dressing at that point. He comes out, his first play as as the the fullback for Iowa since basically ever. I mean, he was kind of a backup last year. Is in a, a third down. Penn State brings two blitzers, and our response is to have him, who hasn't seen anybody play mm-hmm. in in a year, pick up the blitzer. He just got bulldozed, <laughs> and I did, we like. I've had conversations with people going like, well, what, what was Ferentz doing with the punt on the 33? What was he doing running the clock out at the end of the first half? That's typical Ferentz stuff. Yeah. That's stuff that he does. But what do you do when having the kid who hasn't played in a year in there in a crucial situation for blitz pickup where his only job is going to be to pick up a blitzer and he's not particularly big and he hasn't done it in a year? That that was mind-boggling to me. That was one of those plays where I just kind of threw up my hands and went, well, that's the way we're going to be today. This game looked like the flip of every Iowa Penn State game of the last. It, it absolutely did. It, it was, um, you know, it, it was Iowa with the turnovers. It was Penn State wearing Iowa out with the running game in the fourth quarter. Yep. It was just. I think a lot of people who don't, or who haven't followed Penn State football, for you know decades, and you know, people who just sort of you know maybe maybe graduate in the early part of this decade or, or last decade and aren't really used to seeing that sort of a game at Penn State. That's what, like, every single Penn State game was. For, for You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but that was the style of play. It was just this, you know, unstoppable, grinding running game that would always take over in the fourth quarter, and Penn State would always have adjustments at halftime that, you know, Paterno built his reputation on that sort of, you know, adjusting and winning the game conservatively and efficiently. And yeah, it's been a while. It's been, because we even talked on the podcast last week how Penn State, and, and Patrick, you mentioned this, you said it seems every year Penn State has a terrible offensive line and good skill players. And when I re-listened to it, I thought, my God, like that's the exact opposite of everything I've ever thought about Penn State football since I, I mean, I was, since... I think the first game I ever, you know, consciously remember seeing was the 83 Sugar Bowl when they beat Georgia for the national championship. I was like seven or eight years old at the time. And ever since then, it's been, you know, shaky as hell skill players and awesome linemen and and just, you know, killer defense. And they've really gotten away from that in the last few years. So it was so refreshing and so good to see. Uh, And I'm sorry it came at your expense, but... um, I'm not you know, that sorry. We've been riding <laughs> them all year about, um, you know, do they have something up their sleeve? Do they, do they, are they, are they capable of making like some seemingly simple adjustments? And, you know, some of that was like McGowan was throwing passes that he couldn't screw up. They put Dukes in for, for kind of more of the bulldozer type runs where red is just, just way too small. I mean, they, they did some really simple, smart things. And then I don't know, 
I, I took some screenshots and, and hope to do this later in the week, but there was, you know, we've talked a lot about Iowa coming out and accidentally letting the world know they could call the plays. And um, I don't know if you noticed, uh, if you watched the touchdown pass again, the, the Iowa linebackers all right, right before the snap run up to the linemen and just start tapping on guys' backs like, let's go, let's go. This is definitely coming up the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely sold on it. So they obviously yeah. did something. I don't know if they watched last year's tape and just tried to, to deliver those same signals. I mean, there was there was some really conceited um, kind of you know admissions that there, there needed to be a couple tweaks and a couple mm-hmm. changes. And that was well, the most refreshing part of, of what on paper looked like not necessarily a very well-coached game. Yeah, and despite Penn State's only having 13 points, I was not really at all disappointed with the way they ran their offense. And, you know, there was, there were, Shouldn't be. There were two very short field goals, and then McGloin's unbelievably stupid <laughs> interception, which, you know, that's something we're going to have to live with um, going forward. But they, they moved the ball efficiently, and there was a nice play. They run a play, and they, and they ran it with... Um, Dukes near the goal line, I think right before that um, that touchdown or, or close to it, where they line up in the shotgun and it's sort of like almost like a horizontal draw type thing where they pull a guard around and and they run the, the running back in you know in behind them. They actually run a pass off that. That was one of the uh, passes that McLean threw in a triple coverage. Yeah, to, to, to Moy Derek, to Derek Moy. But they do that same thing where they, they bring the guard around. It has a way of sucking up the linebackers. And it's a brilliant little wrinkle to uh, uh, to the play. So it, it's I saw a lot, of, a lot of encouraging things, at least this week. And hopefully Penn State can learn to punch some more of these things in for uh, touchdowns going forward because they're certainly going to need that against um, Illinois and Northwestern and, and the teams most certainly at the end of the year. Well, you shouldn't be in, in any way – concerned by the way their offense ran because they did what they needed to do. I mean, it, right. It, it, Parker's scheme worked exactly halfway this week in that, yes, it was Ben, but don't break, make McGloin make six completions to get a touchdown against you. You know, it's, it's uh, give him a long field and let McGloin shoot himself in the foot, um, which he didn't do that often, mostly because Moy is a hell of a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became a, and just as you guys predicted, it became a, if, if all else fails, just chuck it toward Moy and see what happens. Yeah. Right. And most of the time it, it worked out well. Um, but where it didn't work was the whole basis of that, that system is you have to stop the run. Yeah. Because if you can, if you, if you make them throw the ball, you make them make mistakes, but you can't make them make mistakes when they're running for five yards a clip. And, and when red is just, when Red gets the ball and all of and the linebackers and the li- and the defensive linemen are in one line five yards back from the <laughs> line of scrimmage yeah. at the time of the handoff, there's no way you're ever going to be able to stop that. And so why not just run the ball up the middle over and over again and kill the clock? Because it wasn't like Iowa was going to set the world on fire and come out no huddle again. Yeah, and in many in many ways, I don't blame Ferentz or or Parker for thinking that a conservative game plan will work against Penn State because I watched Penn State play Indiana. Right. You know, no, they, I, I, they were terrible. And so as soon as I saw them punt that in, uh, on that initial drive, I was thinking, like, well, not only, are the, not only okay, this is how we're going to play this game, but also, like, wow, they have absolutely zero expectation or respect for Penn State's ability to move the football. Yeah. And I didn't think that was necessarily wrong at the time, but – as the game wore on, certainly it proved to be uh, um, incorrect. Well, I, I, they put – they did this against Iowa State too. They, and they had done it – actually, they did it against Pitt for that matter. They've put way, way, way too much faith in their defensive front four this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I mean you can they, tell – granted, you know, yeah, guys like Claiborne and – well, Binz is still there somehow – <laughs> yeah, shockingly, right? He's he's uh, it's like the seventh year, but um, I mean, and, and I think um, what's his name? Now that you said Rogers before, I'm thinking I'm thinking that's his name. The defensive tackle, Daniels, Daniels, um, or Nardo? No, it wasn't Nardo. The, but the, the marvelously the Nard- named Tom Nardo, <laughs> the Nard Dog, um, the Nard Dog, Pennsylvania boy. Um, but yeah, I, I think Daniels was even a little hurt even before he was actually 
sort of hurt halfway through the game. I, I noticed I noticed him drawing off the field really like short shuffling steps, and he seemed to be uh, yeah. dinged up a little bit. But I mean, obviously, there's going to be a step down from the group that you've had in the past. But it, those guys were were not they, holding up. No, and, they, and they, it's not their whole bit. Their whole system is based on that front four being able yeah. to hold up against the run, and they are they aren't, and they weren't able to against Iowa State too. When 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 we lost Iowa State, Ference in typical Ference fashion again kicked a field goal in the third overtime <laughs> on fourth and one, <laughs> and we hadn't stopped them. We we had not stopped Iowa State from either scoring or getting a field goal try on long fields since the beginning of the second quarter, and after the game, Ference goes. I just hope we'd get a stop. I mean, yeah, from the like, twenty-five, from the twenty-five against an offense you can't stop. You've you've had absolutely no chance of stopping for what's going on sixty minutes now. Um, that feels so Penn State. Just just insisting that your team like all of a sudden play up to your standards, right? Kind of despite the the kind of reality of what's happened all afternoon. And his, and his actual his actual quote was, "I thought we." He, he actually this was the exact thing he said. I thought we. Well, I hoped we'd get a stop. Like it was, I, I thought we'd get a stop. Actually, I didn't think we'd get a stop. I just kind of hoped we would because that's right. the only card I have to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was the same thing here. It was, well, we're going to expect this defense to hold up for, for 60 minutes so that we can score 10 and win this game. And that, that there was never any change in that calculation despite the fact that the defense couldn't hold up at all. Yeah. separate ways you go off to the uh corn division and, we go and, off to the I, pig division and i wish you guys the best because if there's one team that needs an ass kicking against nebraska yeah well <laughs> yes they do i was gonna say and i well, don't think we're gonna be able to administer it so we was, need somebody else to take care of it for us i was gonna say well they uh, they got theirs on saturday but that was only the first half right yeah they, their first uh <laughs> game and a half of big 10 football really sucked <laughs> <laughs> and then it all kind of turned around and we've I, got I'm We've got this, this odd Nebraska troll contingent now that, like, <laughs> like as soon as the game no. gets over, we get six Nebraska fans on there like, you're never going to hold up against us and Lincoln, boys. <laughs> Spencer had a great, uh, a great metaphor that Ohio State had just laid on the gas as they were headed towards the brick wall. And that's exactly <laughs> what that felt like. It, it, it was very much like that. I couldn't believe what I was saying. The the, the uh, Bowserman passing chart is one of the funniest things I've seen. <laughs> the funniest thing about it is that he only completed one pass. Right. It actually, on it actually chart, makes him look better on the chart yes. than he actually was. The chart's like three for 14. He was actually only one of 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> And he actually did hit some of the red. It's not even like the. It, it, it was just great. That last pass that went twenty rows up was so perfect that the the rebroadcast of the game should just be that pass on repeat over and over and over. So it, there was it, a, it was fantastic. There was also a, a like a lull pick that EDSBS had up for one of their threads. It was right after the game got over, and it had Bowserman in the post game press conference, and he looked almost like shell shocked. <laughs> and it's like it was like one of those like like press photo action shot kind of things where he's in the middle of saying something but he just looks like he's just stunned and he has let's have a real good time underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, Pitbull has become the uh, the anti, uh, the anti star of uh, the 2011 <laughs> football season. Uh, it's good because I was tired of every bashing Dave Matthews band last year. Yeah, I, I had no idea who Pitbull was before the season. I didn't either, but I'm, uh, we all know now. If you I, go I'm under probably... any interstate overpass, there's a decent chance you'll find Pitbull having a real good time. <laughs> With a DJ and some Dr. Pepper. I eagerly await the uh, Urban Meyer bidding war that will commence after. uh, It's going to be interesting. Honestly, I I have to hope that Ohio State makes a bowl game. I can't have them getting a head start on us. Well, I think. I I don't think it matters. They they at least have the the ability to to pull the trigger before. Right, right. even Even if they make a bowl game. Fickle will be gone before that bowl game starts, before they even begin the the, the preparation. That's going to be a uh, interim coach situation. Yeah. More like more like lull game, am I right? Hey, there we go. <laughs> hey yeah. We'll it's... see you at the Ticket City, Ohio State. <laughs> I really I have, have uh, nowhere to talk right now. I have, I have uh, canceled my flight to Detroit for late December, and now I'm looking at Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is. I it's think, nice that time of year. Yeah, I think we're moving up in the world now. This is nice. No, look, I think Penn State's pretty damn good. I mean, I, I, you've got offensive problems, sure, but if, if I don't think can, any more than a lot of other teams do in that defense. Well, that's is the thing. Big. The Big Ten is still so bad. On, I mean, I, there's so I many, think, there's so many I, tragically I, flawed teams. I should put it that way, except for Wisconsin, it seems. But I mean, Ohio State has no offense, especially with Braxton Miller not in the, in the lineup. Uh, Nebraska has no defense. Um, the, you know, I, I, Iowa. We got by Iowa, so you know it's, it's Illinois is really looking like the, <laughs> the the sort of wild card team. Michigan State, no offensive line. Michigan and Michigan State are are locks. The winner of this weekend's noon kickoff game is probably the best team in that division, which is mind blowing. It is. If you would have said that before the season, it. it would have been nuts, and then it, and it, Iowa's, it will you know, be. I was not done yet, though, because I mean, they, they, yeah, they lost to Penn State, but it's only you know it's one loss in the division or in the in the conference, and you know the next three games are just Northwestern, Indiana, and Minnesota. So there's there's a chance for them to at least get something going if they can get by. Northwestern, yeah, right. No, that's, that's true. That that's where this this kind of cross com, cross cross divisional game thing really seems to. To line up awkward, um, you, you know, you lose out of out of the division, and all of a sudden you're you're playing from behind, despite you know mm-hmm. not everyone playing on the same uh, on the same field. I mean, in some instances, I, I understand why it needs to be that way, but but man, it may, it's really starting to feel the whole change in dynamic all of a sudden. Well, I you know I agree with you. It's a little bit odd, and it's it's weird to to get used to, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to every game being the same and a loss to Penn State, meaning that we're behind them in the standings, even though you guys aren't even in the same standings as we are. Anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, a strange new world. Yeah. But we get to play Nebraska now. Great for my traffic. <laughs> <laughs> we have them uh, third to last game. Both the guys in Nebraska who have internet love to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Heroes. Heroes game. I don't know. Did I tell the story of the, of my family wedding in Lincoln this summer? No. My my cousin got married in Lincoln, and my mom's side of the family is all Nebraska. She grew up right outside Lincoln, and they're all Husker fans, and most of them live in Lincoln or near Lincoln. And my my other cousin, who's a big Nebraska fan and who is the older brother of my sister, or my cousin who was getting uh, married, was the MC. And, and made the obligatory. Um, we've got some, some relatives here from Iowa. Uh, they, this, was, this wedding was in uh, mid-July, and he said they, they left their homes in June because of Big Ten speed to get here in time <laughs> for the wedding. Too easy. Right. And my response was, and it's for knowledge, go brush your tooth. And <laughs> that's really what I just say in response to all of this. Yes. And so. it's for knowledge. No, I, but, uh, hey... It's it's going to be a weird year. I, I I do think that all the talk of the sky is falling in the Big Ten's a little bit overrated. I just think we've been picking the wrong teams. I really think Illinois is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, and, and the beauty of what Ron Zook is doing now is that Ron Zook has given up all control over everything and basically just <laughs> said like I'm just going to sit here and look cool 
and you guys take care of everything else from here. And Paul Petrino and Vic Koenig just just run the show. And so <laughs> Ron's like his caster on water skis. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. I, I really think that they've got they've they they've got really good assistants that are teaching those guys what to do. And I think they've really got to help the team. And Michigan, despite all of the flaws of you know the Denard passing experience, um, their defense looks respectable because shockingly maybe it wasn't a question of what the talent level was on the defense when Rich Roberts and maybe it was because of Gerg Robinson. Um, no shot. Yeah, I know. Stunner, the, the, the right? of the one of the most, one of the most incompetent coaches in the history of the world might've been a bad idea. <laughs> the inventor of the 32 defense. <laughs> 32nd ranked every single year in the NFL. Uh, yeah. He's, he somehow, he's one of those guys who just like failed his way to the top. Um, Looking at you, Lane Kiffin. Yep, no, just... exactly. Uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Al Davis. Um, but uh, too soon, I know. Um, but I, I mean, I really think that they've probably got a decent chance of winning their division. And then it comes down to, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Wisconsin wins the Big Ten East. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion. I, I don't think Nebraska is that good, especially defensively. Yeah. And and everybody's kind of coming around to that fact now. But you know, well, I, Wisconsin looks like a juggernaut again. But I don't know if that translates against legitimate opposition. Yeah, and 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 you're right. You look at their opponents: UNLV, Oregon State. Oregon State has turned out to be awful, although they yeah. got um, Stoops fired in Arizona. Um, Northern Illinois, South Dakota, Nebraska, not a defense among them. They have Indiana this week, not not a defense among them. Oh, God, that's going to be a bloodbath. I, Wait till they play uh, Minnesota, November 12th. Jeez. <laughs> and, and, and there's no love loss there. No, I mean, Bielema no. will destroy them. Bielema will put 100 he will on burn, them. He will burn TCF to the ground and piss <laughs> on the ashes. I'm telling you, Bielema is Debo from Friday. <laughs> he just he just rolls around the neighborhood on his bike like hey that's a nice chain Jerry Kill. <laughs> well, by the way, you, you you mentioned the uh Mike Stoops thing. This is the interesting uh subplot for the rest of this season. Iowa's got like a 98-year-old defensive coordinator. Mhm. And Mike Stoops is sitting out there with 4 years as an Iowa safety and 5 years as an Iowa assistant under his belt. And there's this weird dynamic, and I, this is something I don't understand at all. I, I mean, I, I I don't get it. Iowa fans hate like obnoxious coaches because apparently we've forgotten about Hayden. Like, <laughs> but Iowa fans hate coaches who yell and scream. They hate Pelini. They hate Stoops. They hate Bielema. And Bielema yeah. should be like the golden child here because right. he's an Iowa guy who coached here and has become like the superstar coach in the league. They can't stand him. I, I, I've talked to people, Iowa fans, who say that if, if Ferentz were to leave for the NFL, um, that we shouldn't even bother calling Brett Bielema. And not because Bielema would say no, which I think he probably would, but because he's he should, we, we don't want him. <laughs> Are you nuts? Are you really? Yeah. That's, that's insane. But there's that. There's people who are saying there's absolutely no way you should ever even consider Mike Stoops for that job. And I don't see how you don't. If 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 Norm decides he really does want to hang it up, how you don't mm-hmm. at least consider a guy who coached for Bob, who coached for Bill Snyder, who coached for Hayden, and who knows defense to come in and take over that job. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than that. I mean, are there Good indications thing. that uh, Parker? Is going to leave. They've. There's I, mean, been, I know he's had health problems for years now. Yeah, Parker's the defensive coordinator equivalent of Joe Pa. Every year, there's a somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody says Norman yeah. said he's going to leave, but there's never any real talk of it happening because you know spring rolls around and Norm's still there on his golf cart, you know, talking about death taxes and cover two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually his own quote. I can't even pretend oh, really? to make that one up for my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's three certainties in life: death taxes and cover two. I'm looking at Wisconsin's uh, schedule here. They still have three really difficult road games left. They're at Michigan State on the 22nd, at Ohio State on the 29th. Maybe these aren't really difficult, but you know they're road games against decent opponents. 
and then um, at Illinois on the, on the 19th of November, and then home against Penn State to end the season. I mean, granted, Ohio State's kind of dog shit at this point, but maybe they get Braxton Miller back by that point, and, and they have a fighting chance with their defense. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm just looking for any sort of uh, chink in the armor here for uh, for uh, Wisconsin's schedule. I, I think maybe it, it, maybe does, the, it, does maybe look, it comes down to Illinois. I was just going to say, Illinois got Ohio State this week, probably without Braxton Miller, mm-hmm. um, which is yep. nice. Purdue, which is almost a break, and then you know, at Penn State looks tough. Illinois, Michigan looks really interesting. Yeah, that could be, that's going to be a hell of a game. That could be just as interesting as last year. That's and then they've be got they've got Wisconsin. So I, I yeah, I think they've got it. It seems like every Big Ten team all of a sudden has these interesting backloaded schedules. I guess that's not. Yeah really a coincidence that's that's yeah. more how this lines up but hopefully we'll mix that up in the future but this will be a fun stretch i think between wisconsin illinois like you said iowa's got a nice ramp before their their games kick in at the end yeah and, and I, I don't mind it i really don't i mean granted when the schedule came out and even looking at it now you see penn state closing with nebraska ohio state and wisconsin you're like oh my god <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah, we better pile up the wins now while we can um, I, I, I frankly can't wait because I, what I could see happening for Iowa is we squeak by Northwestern this weekend. Um, we probably squeak by Indiana because that's what we always do. Mm-hmm. And then we pummel Minnesota because finally we found some motivation for playing Minnesota. <laughs> and, and, and Iowa's 3-1 and one in the conference, 3-0 and oh in the division, mm-hmm. heading to November, and suddenly it's... It's home game hey, against by the Michigan, way, Michigan State. You, you got your Capital One Bowl tickets yet? You know, like it, right. it'll it'll right. immediately <laughs> ramp up to that level. It will no longer be. It's no longer going to be like, you know, hey, we'll be okay with getting to you know a bowl game. We're eligible. Wonderful. It's going to be okay. So who are we going to play in the Big Ten Championship? Right. <laughs> I even see people in Blackshoe Diaries uh, saying, "Okay, one more win, we're bowl eligible." I'm thinking, what? <laughs> this is this is it really? It, no, making six wins an automatic bowl game is like the worst thing that's ever happened to uh, to college football fans, and the best thing that's ever happened to college football coaches. Like, hey, we made a bowl <laughs> game. Fuck it, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to the the car care bowl in Charlotte. Hey, that was actually car care bowl. <laughs> bowl, bowl games are bowl games. That was in a Mike Stoops headline I read today that he, he he's down this year, but he's been to three straight bowl games. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So like, congratulations. <laughs> so were, you know, 63 other teams. It's, I mean, in, at a BCS school, nonetheless. I mean, it's one thing if you take your MAC team to a bowl right. game. Like, oh, we got Bowling Green at three state bowl games. Like, wow, that's that, that's actually impressive. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's Mac, actually. The MAC has one and a half bowl bids. <laughs> <laughs> So what else do you guys want to talk about? Well, Kevin has to go for hockey pretty soon, so let's uh, let's do the old beer and music thing since we have the Slow States crew together. Have wow. you guys seen, real quick, have you guys seen the Indiana-Wisconsin line yet? It's got to be like I want. I just want to do the guessing game oh, as a lead-in. Uh, I will guess 38. I'll, I'll, I'll take 42. It's, 30, it's 39 and a half moving Ooh. up to 40. Uh, price is right rules. I win. <laughs> I was on the prices right in Vegas. Were you really? Not like not like the actual television show, but I was on like the, the live show. Interesting. They have like a live show that's hosted by Nick Lachey's brother. <laughs> of course it is. Oh my god. And how I ended up there I have no idea, but I, I want a free T shirt. Okay. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and if I would have gotten the, the price of that ice cream maker right, I would have got to play Plinko and I'm very pissed uh, off. 
Yeah, so Plinko's been a drink plus, of wine for, for a long time. Been, probably would have been great gambling money for later on that the, day. The unfortunate yeah. part of, of me being on The Price is Right, which is something I've also always wanted, is that I'm, I'm in this sort of soft spot where nobody, like, the producers would never select my name because I'm just sort of, like, semi-middle-aged, uninteresting, non-military guy. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not super old, I'm not a college student, and I'm not in the military, so... <laughs> I have zero chance of ever getting on stage, so I have to how, wait. I have to somehow survive the next 35 years. How dare you claim that it isn't a perfectly random mix of people that get called <laughs> on stage and the sorry. price is right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Drew Carey. I'm sorry, Bob Barker. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what was the announcer's name? Rod Roddy. Rod Roddy. Rest in peace. And, oh, by <laughs> the way, the best part of the, the live show was that um, the, the announcer was the guy from Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I didn't no, no. know this at the time, but it's my girlfriend's favorite like game show ever. She's like, "Oh my god, it's a supermarket sweet guy!" Oh like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know if she ran up to him and be like, "Aren't you that from Supermarket Sweep?" He'd be like, "You're the first person that's ever said that to me." <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I will sign anything you want now. Um. Oh, so okay, beer and music. Yeah. Um. I'll go first. Why not? I'm drinking Rogue Dead Guy Ale. Ooh. I don't drink a lot of Rogue. I almost bought that this weekend. It's it's pretty damn tasty, I yeah. must say. Um, and really, I mean, cons- at first I was like, eleven ninety nine for a six pack seems steep, but when you go to the bar, you're paying four bucks anyway. So why yeah. not get really good yeah. for four bucks? Um, so I'm drinking that, and then I I just downloaded the new Ryan Adams album, which has really good reviews. And I saw that that came out. How is it? I, I've only gotten through about half of it, but it's. It's not bad. It's a little poppier than his usual stuff, which isn't terrible. I saw on one of the, I was doing a little music blog searching right before we did the show, and on I'll find which one it was, and I'll post it with the uh, with the link to the to, to to the site. But he did a show in Denver recently, and that was it was like twenty twenty five thirty songs something like that. So I'll, I'll find that for you. Um, How close to it to Heartbreaker is it compared to all of his other stuff? That's my first Ryan Adams review question. Oh, it's it's nowhere near Heartbreaker. It's it's, always, it's musically it's this, completely removed from that. Um, I always have this dream that he'll like eventually drift back to to that style and that like level of songwriting. Not that yeah. it can't be good other ways, but so no. no I, I have to wait. Have you gotten any of the old um, bootlegs that Captain's Dead posts? Those are always really good, like pre Heartbreaker stuff. Um, and he was just writing just on the back of pizza boxes. Just yeah. fantastic song. Um, there's actually one that was a, what, an old Whiskey Town song. Um, I don't think what the name of it is. But there's one that where the in, in the liner notes for the, ex, the extended edition of the, the album, he actually says, yeah, I think I wrote that on the inside of a pizza box. Like I was <laughs> eating pizza and wrote the song on the other part of it. And we recorded it that night and it, was, it made the album. Like <laughs> He was just writing whatever he came up with. Then. I don't know if he quite has that. Still going. Yeah, it was practically all brilliant at that point, too. Yeah, and then he thought everything he wrote was brilliant, and then we got (laughs) nine (laughs) albums a year, and I bought them all, and it was not pretty for a little while there. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Kevin? What are you drinking, Patrick? Oh, you said Rogue. Rogue. uh, The Rogue, yes, I'm sorry. That's Um, all right. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, Let's see. Beer has been the same four or five ones, but uh, Laguntas has a little something ale but there's a little something wild ale that has like this um kind of tarty yeast in it that's very good i'd highly recommend it it's probably even a little better than the regular ale which is which is good um they do good work they do do really good work and and um i've also been i went on like a little bit of, of a spree with new stuff and so i've been trying to actually see if any of it's any good and um the new fruit bats album which is called tripper um, is really, really fantastic after, I guess it's probably, probably been six or seven listens. Um, their old album remnant band did the same thing. They have this, they have, you know, they're the band with like the shins connections and, um, and that kind of sound. But the, uh, a lot of the songs really like kind of after a little wearing in are, are pretty good. I went to oh, the, also uh, oh, real quick plug for, uh, Amazon cloud player, by the way. Yes. I think yes. It was 20, 20 bucks a year for, up, upload the my entire collection um, automatically puts everything on there it has you know mobile apps like streams very well whether I'm you know at work or or somewhere else or at home 
So 20 bucks well spent. Interesting. Um, I went to the Stouts Brewery, which is in Adamstown, Pennsylvania. It's close to uh, Reading um, over the weekend, and picked up uh, a six-pack of their triple, which is 9% and very delicious, very, very warming, even uh, uh, even in sort of an end-of-summer, early-fall beer. But uh, it'll come in handy once uh, once the cold cold days hit. And it's still Oktoberfest season, so I picked up a, a full case of Lancaster Brewing Company's Oktoberfest, which is, you know, I'm, I'm being uh, a little bit parochial here, but it's it's one of the best I've had. I also got some uh, um, Brooklyn uh, Oktoberfest as well, which is um, also very good. Not not quite as much as uh, uh, as a Lancaster, but still very good. And I noticed that, um, and I'm probably way late to this, but Jason Isbell on the 400 unit. Uh, my my uh, my favorite old uh, drive by trucker put out an album uh, this year, and I just heard the song for the first time tonight. Codeine. You're uh, you're way late to that yeah, party. I, I, yeah, I, I figured I figured I was, but it, it was I actually saw it on the list of like best of 2011 so far. I'm like, oh yeah. shit, I had no idea this was out. Um, no, it's phenomenal. That, I actually saw them really good. live for free in when was it? Mid August in Davenport, Iowa. They played like Did they really. Yeah. Out by the river, and they were great. Yeah, they were here uh, not too long ago. There's actually a guy in Harrisburg who's getting some pretty good uh, shows to come through here, but unfortunately, I have baby, which is sort of uh, a hindrance to going to see live music in, in bars right now. <laughs> um, but they also, have headphones, Chris. You need to invest in. I know, seriously. Yeah, Chris, I'll send you some other new music. There's this band called the Rolling Stones. Really? It's pretty good. <laughs> there's this. There's this new guy called Count Basie. <laughs> a, a Beethoven kicks ass, <laughs> and, and also uh, I noticed there's new Deer Tick coming out soon too. So that oh nice that I am pretty sure has not been released yet. There's a single floating around out there, but uh, there's a ton of good. Uh, I'm Delta pretty sure it's not out yet. Yeah, no that that'll be real good. I think the Delta Spirit Deer Tick kind of live videos that I've seen have have really perked my interest. Yeah. Well, some. Uh, uh, Maybe next time, Patrick, you can tell me all about Bach and Beethoven. And uh, there, there's some caveman banging on a rock somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's a new sound. It's, it's too new. It's too Sorry, new. I, 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 it's a little too new wave for me. I, I, yeah, it's mainstream now. I gotta. <laughs> I liked it more when it was just caveman. I don't know. <laughs> you see, I, don't know the you, I don't know how you back up from that. That's very cool. <laughs> it's true. Totally, I, he's totally. He's totally. I no longer have the ability to. This, this weekend gave me the, the lack of ability to make hipster jokes. Apparently, that's how bad that game was. Uh, don't worry, Minnesota will be on the schedule soon enough, and uh, you'll you'll regain you'll uh, regain your hipster joking uh, cred. It'll Good be, point. It'll be okay. Well, I do have I do have Northwestern this week with. I've, actually, since I'm done here, I'm podcasting with Roger Sherman from Sipping on Purple. Nice. How much you like Roger Sherman? It's the name of like a. Like a snooty camp counselor in like a madcap <laughs> 80s teen movie. It does. That, could, that name could go a number of ways. Yeah. Really good. It's a shame you couldn't uh, bring in the guy from uh, Bring Your Champions. They are a meet. The recluse who runs The recluse like an enigma. <laughs> We've tried to get him on the podcast like eight times. We never get a response at all. I actually thought you might get him this week. Uh, you know, I wish. But <laughs> the man, I, he, I don't even think he realizes people actually read him. Like... <laughs> He doesn't have a blog role. He doesn't talk about anything else. He just writes whatever the hell. It's he just wants one to write. post per week about one post a week. Five thousand words. There's one he wrote about um, uh, the, the the guys who used to like in the 1800s would go from like Tennessee and would like go try to invade Cuba or Mexico. <laughs> yes. Like they'd get like 30 of their buddies and they'd just take a jeep down to <laughs> down to like Baja California and be like, "Hey, it's ours now." Slavery's here, and then the Mexican government would kill them all. And there's, it was one of the greatest posts I've ever seen anybody write about anything. And it's, it somehow ties to the Northwestern football at the end. It was wonderful. Well, good luck against the uh, uh, the uh, horrible people from Chicago, from Evanston. Yes, and they're not from Chicago. Yeah, they're not from Chicago. And uh, Wiz Gerald and the rest of them. His so, evil potato. Now that we finally beat Iowa, you can go finally beat Northwestern. The uh, the curse is the curse will be broken in all directions. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> oh, you're probably right. Yeah. right. See you guys later. All right, see you.
understand It's this bar and this cover man Trying to fake their way through castles made of sand well, That's one thing I can't stand There's one thing I can't take It's the sound that a woman makes About five seconds after her heart begins to break That's one thing I can't home by now but she and I should have gone by now but I can't cause one of my friends is taking her hand and giving her a cold and one of my friends is taking her hand and giving her a cold Biggest stars. When I saw you behind the bar, I guess that's the way to keep on smiling where you are. But girl, your eyes are the biggest stars. Sounds funny when you say my name It's like you're chewing on a foreign thing And you won't get to sleep till dawn If it no rain Sounds so funny when you say my name If I 